Kobe kids. We're remembering Kobe Bryant, talking about Super Bowl week and the different matchups during the game, and we are giving out some picks. So let's go. Welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is Thursday, January 30th. We're opening the show in a little bit of a more somber mood, as everybody is now aware. On Sunday, we learned the tragic and devastating news that Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven other passengers on his helicopter crashed into the side of a hill or mountain, I guess, uh, all did pass away. Uh, this, for me, and I think for many in the world, not just the sports world, but world in general, kind of got gut punched by this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a truly devastating and shocking loss. We all, I think, can can feel the, the we don't have a can't feel the pain, but we can empathize with the Bryant's family and what they must be going through. Vanessa Bryant lost her husband, her daughter, the other families that lost their parents, sisters, fathers, mothers. Um, truly, just ter- horrific and tragic event all around. Um, and one that people are still processing. Yeah, agreed. Really, really sad. Um, I was really bummed on Sunday, I tell you what. And even even going into Monday, and still today, I mean, um, I was never like a massive Kobe Bryant fan, but I mean, he, the guy's literally a global icon. He's a legend of the game. Um, and I was, I was kind of surprised on how bummed I was. I was like, oh man, like I was really, I was really upset about it. It really got me... Really got me pretty upset. Um, I'd say, um, honestly, it might be the most tragic celebrity death ever. Yeah. It's right up there. I mean, it's like, and just the shock of it all. I mean, it's it's like right up there with like John Lennon, but even like might be bigger. Like, it's just the way that he went and the fact that he went with his daughter and then seven others. Um, I mean, you know, one family lost 60% of their immediate family. I mean, it's, it is probably the most tragic celebrity death ever because you know usually you hear you know someone you know a celebrity overdosed or this sounds awful but they you know suicide or something something you know but when it's just like just so out of nowhere it, it's just really upsetting like i like at first i was thinking you know like who's like compares to something as tragic and i was like michael jackson maybe but then i was like but was anyone really like you know, everyone knew Michael Jackson had these issues. I mean, it wasn't like the most shocking of news. Like the Kobe Bryant news was just, it was crazy. It was awful. Yeah. I, I, you were the one who brought my attention to it. You texted me. I was just hanging out. And then I think I did what probably most people did is I went onto the the cesspool that is Twitter um, Mm. because it's just the fastest way to get news. And it's also one of the worst ways because as we saw, it's ugly here. Head come out. You know, there were reports that all four daughters were on the plane and there was reports that Fox was on it. Just a truly disastrous way of handling a moment like this. I think a lot of people, journalists, TMZ, for example, who was accurate in all their reporting, but they broke yeah. the story even before Miss Bryant knew, which is just like heartbreaking at its core to learn, like for that way to learn that your daughter and husband have passed away. Um, yeah. It was a true cesspool, and it. I was definitely sad and, and kind of in a funk on Sunday, and even today, like it still pops up in my mind, and I was thinking, you know, I didn't know. Kobe Bryant and you don't have to know somebody to feel for the family to to empathize with their pain and and to you know really kind of feel that um but I was thinking you know truly horrible stuff happens in the world every day 
Um, but when a moment like this happens, you know, with Kobe Bryant, who was just such an icon, I mean, our generation grew up every time we took a fade away or shot a paper ball into a trash can or really shot anything, we were screaming Kobe. Yeah. Um, somebody who is so iconic and almost like superhero level. When they pass this way, it's so shocking, devastating, because you don't see it. And it, it kind of has us face the uncomfortable truth that this life is very fragile and mm-hmm. can be gone in a moment. It is a true blessing to fall asleep each night and wake up the next day. And when this event kind of, when things like this happen in such a sudden fashion, I think part of that is we, we have to confront that. You know, my mom used to tell me every day you pass your birthday and you also pass your death day unknowingly, which is a very like morbid way to think about it your birthday but it's it drives home the point that this life is fleeting and this life is fragile and kobe bryant you can take a lesson from the way he lived life and and in his death he attacked it every single day he took pride in a worth ethic that he thought would inspire people and it truly did i mean i would say if if you have a goal if you have a dream take a lesson from kobe hold that tight work at it vigorously and ferociously don't let it go. You might not end up being the Kobe Bryant of whatever that dream or goal is in your life, but if you attack it in the same way, it's going to mold you. It's going to change you. It's going to inspire other people. And by doing that, you you can honor his legacy. I mean, our generation is still going to be the generation that reels Kobe, and someday the younger generation will ask, what does that mean? Why do you say that? And we'll tell them about the man that wore number eight and 24, the one they called Black Mamba. And we'll tell him about the lessons that we learned, and his legacy will go on. Um, but it is one of those things where it is is truly tragic, and there's just I don't know. There's enough words to really describe it. Um, but one of our goals here, and there's no easy way to kind of transition and do a sports show with with energy, but we're gonna try because one of our goals and dreams is to give you the best sports show out there, best sports podcast. And so we're gonna get after it. But it is. It's okay. I think take the lessons from Kobe, remember him, and just attack life the way he did. And that's that's the best way you can honor him. Yeah, I agree. Very well said. I can't really add anything to that. Very well said, Nate. Well, let's get after it then. Let's let's try to give the best sports show. It's Super Bowl weekend. Like I said, no easy way to transition, but we'll do this one for Kobe, screaming Kobe as we shoot it. <laughs> but it is Super Bowl weekend. It is one of the best weeks out there. I I don't know if there's a, a sporting event I get more excited for. Maybe the college playoffs just because it gives me more football and it's pretty electric. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one is somewhat underwhelming. You know, the Kobe news definitely is something the whole sports community is dealing with, which I, I think um, factors in here. But there, this year seems a little bit more low-key, even though we probably have – I'm not going to say it's the most excited matchup I've I've been for because every Super Bowl you go into it like these are clearly the two best teams. But this year it feels truly like I don't know what the hell is going to happen. How are we going to how are we going to pick a game here? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I, I'm with you. It hasn't had that um, that same kind of buzz, maybe. And I do think the Kobe news has something to do with it. Um, however, it's like this this year for whatever reason I haven't seen like the the interviews media day I haven't seen it like like I had in years past I saw Nick Bosa said something hilarious um, yeah. on the coronavirus but um, <laughs> said like it's all my Chinese friends out there I mean, that just made me laugh um, but uh, yeah but I agree it's 
I think it has the potential to be a great matchup, way better than last year's matchup. It's one of the better matchups that we've had in history. But for whatever reason, that buzz isn't there. But I'm trying to get into it. Um, I've been looking at the numbers, looking at a whole bunch of different prop bets. Um, but I mean, we just—I I can't wait for Sunday personally. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And that's right. It's like I don't feel like I've seen the Jimmy Kimmel like weird interviews that he does on Mini yeah. Day, or like just the the viral clips that you get. Um, it does feel a little lackluster which is crazy because the stars in this game are huge mm-hmm. um and this is stylistic football at its best two very different kind of styles going head to head um with two very good coaches so i've been struggling to figure out how i'm going to bet this game um yeah. so what i thought we should do is we should break down the matchups because that's what wins can you win enough matchups to win the football game the line sitting at one and a half so this is a pick them essentially i mean like you could technically lose here at, uh, at a one point spread, but this is essentially a pick and how I'm treating it. So yeah. let's talk some matchups. First matchup. This is a little less serious, but time management. Both these coaches have had some horrible experiences with time management and game management. Kyle Shanahan yeah. famously in the Patriots Super Bowl. Andy Reid also famously in a Patriots Super Bowl uh, game against them. Do we think both of these guys have learned their lessons, or do you think old habits rear their ugly head and one of them fucks up here? Um, I, I put my money on more likely that Shanahan learns. Um, he's younger. He's not as set in his ways, maybe. Um, I think maybe he might be a little more arrogant, so maybe he is a little set in his ways. Um, that is for sure. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> great, great coach. No, not a shot at him, but he, there's a sense of arrogance, and that's fine. Uh, but when you're arrogant, sometimes you're set in your ways. Um, I think it's very likely <laughs> that, that there is a blunder. Not saying Kyle could be Andy. Um, Andy is very set in his ways since he's old. He's been around forever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very possible that there could be um, a coaching blunder in some sort of fashion, whether maybe not necessarily time management. It might be on, like, a special teams coordinator who throws 12 people on the field. Just some something that Fs someone up and gives someone a free first down. I think it's very possible. Yeah, I think I lean more Andy makes the mess up than Shanahan, um, just because I feel like Andy often forgets about his timeout situation more frequently. Um, I think yeah. he he luckily doesn't take the gas off the pedal, um, which Kyle sort of didn't, and that ended up biting him in the butt. So that could end up being an issue if they don't decide to kind of maybe le- run out the clock a little bit, because both of these teams can strike quickly. But we'll talk a little bit more about my concerns there so yeah i lean i think kyle wins that matchup as far as he's gonna have the better clock management or blunder but we'll see that that one's a little trickier to predict it is yeah for sure here's the big one and this is the one we can talk about there's different styles here the overs defense style on both sides of the ball we have a classic who gets it done better a run more efficient run game or more mm-hmm. efficient pass game type of deal who does better when you have a pure just four-man front that can get after the quarterback or it's a team effort Let's first just talk 49ers O versus 49ers D. Does the U.S. Olympic relay team, it feels like, on the Kansas City Chiefs win that matchup? Does speed kill here? So just to confirm, because you said 49ers O versus 49ers D. Oh, you're shit. Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs O, Chiefs 49ers D. Gotcha. Yes. Um, <laughs> just need to confirm that there. Um, personally... And this is me. I think I may have mentioned this last week. I'm not sure. Um, I've always kind of been an offensive guy when a lot of times the defense actually wins. However, like you said, these guys on Kansas City are track stars. And while 
Richard Sherman is a phenomenal corner, still is. He is not a track star no. in the slightest. <laughs> he's slow. He's on the slower end for a corner. And yeah. when you guys when you got guys like Tyreek Hill who who runs just he makes like Nicole Hardman look slow. I mean, I I kind of tend to lean towards the Chiefs offense in that in that matchup. However, like you said, but then I, you you have to bring up the fact that the Niners can rush four guys, and they can drop back seven, and they can still get pressure on the quarterback. So it, it, it's tough for me to confidently say that you know I think the the, the world class speed of the Chiefs are going to give the the Niners trouble. But that's definitely what I'm leaning towards as of now. Yeah, I I think that's a fair evaluation. I think the I was listening to an interview uh, Warren Sharp gave on part of my take. And he kind of hit it right on the head. And it's something that we all kind of realize is the Chiefs this year have struggled more so against man than zone. Because when you run zone against them, they just have too many athletes doing too many route combinations. And just the scheme fits perfectly where they just pick you apart. But when you can only – if you can rush just four and you can commit everybody else to the pass game, that is a true advantage. And that is – the 49ers are the best team at that. I don't think there's another team out there that is on their level as far as – we don't have to blitz to bring any type of pressure. We can get it with just our four guys up front, and that's a real advantage. But you also hit the head of Richard Sherman really can't man up as much against this team. Like, there no. isn't a guy – he's not the guy, as Rebus has pointed out, doesn't track a guy around the field, which we didn't talk about last week. But whoever they put on his side, unless it's Kelsey, and even Kelsey's a mismatch – it's a lot of speed, so you're going to have to give safety help, which they could do because, once again, they only got to rush four, so they really can scheme this well. Yeah. I am with you. I think offense – I think in this game especially, the defense takes over early, but the offense eventually picks up. And I think this is going to be the game where – I don't know if it's going to be as high-flying and as soaring, but I give the slight edge just because of the amount of weapons um, the Chiefs have. Yeah. it's tough. I don't know. It's I, so hard. As I say it, I'm like, I just can't get away from like, it's the Super Bowl, the brights are the lightest. It's a little easier to play some defense in those situations, especially when you can run. Like the fact that they can just get four, got their front four to get pressure makes me want to go. Yeah. The 49ers win this battle actually more often than not. <laughs> I know. It's like the more you talk about it, the more you're like, Oh damn it. Is what I'm saying. Correct. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think the 49ers have just been – I mean, the Chiefs have been so good on offense. I think so they good. figure it out. Yeah, I think I, – I, I lean towards that as well. I, yeah. I do. Speed kills. Speed absolutely kills. It like, does. Hal Davis was on to something with the Raiders. He just didn't pick guys who could do other things. He just picked the fast guys. But their guys can do everything and have speed. So Exactly. And if Mahomes is able to extend plays, I know that's tough with the 49ers pass rush. But if he's able to extend plays, those guys are going to get open, and they're going to get open with room, and that's 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 scary if you're playing defense. Yeah, I don't think they're so much worried about the scramble ability, which is nice. The 49ers mm-hmm. don't have to worry too much about that. But yeah. he can still, the way he moves within the pocket, he is tough to bring down. And if he extends yeah. plays, yeah, they are pretty good. I think they're like fifth in success rate when the QB scrambles out of the pocket, which is a crazy number. Um, next matchup, though. Maybe not matchup, but theory. The 49ers are, we're going to run the ball down your throat, and we're not going to have Jimmy G throw that much, which I think he's going to. 
The danger with that is if the 49ers defense does not perform to the level that we are both expecting, can the 49ers run game compete with the points that the Chiefs could potentially put up here? <laughs> My opinion, no. That's yeah. where that's where I feel very. That's an area I actually do feel confident. Because um, you know the Chiefs, the Chiefs came out against the Titans and played very well against the run. You know, the bringing back Chris Jones is massive. Chris Jones is just an animal on the line. Um, but yeah, if, if Mahomes comes out and he and he sling if he's slinging early, I mean, say he say he's got two passing touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, to me, it's almost like good night, Irene. It really is. Um, I, I think the beginning of this game is going to be very important. Um, I think it's more important, more so important for the 49ers than it is the Chiefs because we've seen the Chiefs. The Chiefs can do nothing for an entire half and then put up 48 like in the second half. So I think the, the start, especially the first quarter, is going to be really big for the Niners. And I think I saw the first quarter number was at 10. I like that number. I actually like the over because I, I, I like – I like the fact that you can definitely push on 10 as well. So I'm, I'm really leaning towards towards the over in the first quarter number. If anyone's looking for some fatties, that's one. Um, but uh, I, I just think if the Chiefs come out come out rolling, then it, it could be it could be trouble for the Niners. And I, yeah. I do agree with you on. I think Jimmy's gonna be throwing more in this game than we than we've been seeing. Yeah, I think that this. I think Shanahan's knows enough that. The game plan for the Chiefs is going to be run heavy as far as stopping yeah. defensively because I, I think that's anticipated. Jimmy at times has shown an ability to be able to air the ball. I mean, they haven't had to go to him a whole lot recently, but it's not like he hasn't in games had to go kind of air it out. Um, we'll see. I mean, I see him probably throwing it about 20 to 25 times. Yep. Come Sunday, which isn't a huge number, but for him in the last couple games, that's pretty big. And he's been relatively effective because they have weapons on there. And I think that catches the Chiefs off guard. Here's the other thing I'll say is the Chiefs did a phenomenal job stopping uh, the Titans, as you yep. said. And I think credit is deserved there because that is tough. But the 49ers run game is slightly different because, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about him here in a little bit, Kettle... Kittle is a phenomenal blocker. You run the fullback scheme. The line is dominant in their blocking scheme. So they are definitely – and Kyle Shanahan is a guy where he's got capable running backs, and he doesn't have any loyalty. It's whoever has the hottest hand, which is nice to have as a coach because if some guy is sucking ass, he'll take him out in a second. He doesn't care. (laughs) Like He'll cut him on the field if it's real bad. Like This is what he does. So I'm with you. I think it's very important for the 49ers to have long sustaining drives early, which sounds so dumb because it's like, yeah, of course, Nate, like everybody says that, but it's not even so much long sustaining drives. They have to score on those drives. Yeah. Like you can't have these kind of, you got to be aggressive going for it on fourth down, I think is going to be very important for them if they find themselves in those situations. Cause the chiefs, I think could potentially boat race them here. And your offense hasn't been built for that. So I do give, I think, more the edge to the Chiefs' D and style of play than I do the run style of play. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like you said, they're always giving it to the hot hand, which is which is important. Um, just, just the way the Niners play, they're super methodical. They run the ball a lot. They try to eat up the clock. That's why, personally, I, I don't think I'm going to wager on it, um, but I'm leaning towards the under in this game. 
Um, last year, last year the, the number got up to 57, and there were 16 <laughs> points. So just remember that. Um, yep. The Super Bowl is just a different game. It's different than all other whatever 18, 17, 19 games they've played already. Um, it, just the way that game goes, it, it's always different, and, and it's rare that it's a shootout. I'd love to see a shootout, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to bring up because the timing is different. Halftime is longer. Your yeah. warm-up preparation is is a little different. Your commitments over the week are a lot more, so it's longer hours studying, which takes away. Like, it's just a completely different thing. The nerves are a little different. I will say this about the 49ers. They do – I think one thing that goes underrated on them is the weapons they have if they decide to open it up. Yeah, Samuel, I agree, agree with that completely. Debo is a good wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is good. Kittle, like I said, great if you open them up in the past game. Like, I think at times teams underestimate them a little bit because they are so efficient and so effective running the ball. That is a potential trap that I don't – I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get stuck in because they got some guys that can cover, but it is something where, like, people do underestimate that. Like, they just think, like, this is going to be a run kind of boring team. Yeah. They got some weapons in the past game. Yeah, completely agree. They have some serious passing weapons. Like you said, Sanders, Debo Samuel um, – Kittle, obviously, yeah. I mean, if they, I mean, that's a really good one, two, three right there. I mean, if, if yeah. they have to, they can open it up. And I mean, Kyle can scheme anyone open. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely not something just to gloss right over. Like, they can throw if they have to. Yeah. And the other thing is, they get their running backs out into space. Those guys can make some fucking plays. I mean, yeah. every single one of them. Um, I, we've mentioned him a bunch, but the tight end comparison. Who do you think has a better game? Kittle? <sighs> Or Kelsey. <laughs> I mean, that's um, where it's at. Yeah, who do I think has a better game? Kelsey. Who do I think is a better player? Kittle. Um, but, I yeah, I, yeah, I'd lean towards Kelsey and having a better game. Kittle's been quiet in the playoffs. Um, I mean, at, pretty much every receiver has been quiet in the playoffs for the Niners because they haven't really needed them. But I, I see a bigger game coming from Travis Kelsey just because – I mean, while those guys are all running wild downfield, Kelsey like Kelsey tends to you know just sit and get open. Um, I haven't looked at what his reception number is, but I mean, I could see him getting at least five balls. Yeah, I think passing statistically, which is what we all always pretty much use to determine who has a better game, he's going to be kind of the outlier there. I don't think yeah. he's more effective there. But Kittle's been murking people in the blocking game, oh, which he values it. very much, and it is yeah. a huge asset. I mean. When you're a team that has a, runs a fullback scheme, has a tight end who loves to just murk people in the run yeah. game and run block, and a good offensive line, like that's a weapon. So I think overall, Kittle has he has the unnoticed kind of impact that is more important to get in the win, where it's yeah. he's going to have key blocks that rip that help rip off giant runs. He's going to have some catches where they air it out and he makes a play. Like I think he's going to be. He's going to have overall the better game, but we it will go unnoticed to more people that he's had right. a better game because most people will just look at the stat line and say, oh, Kelsey had five catches for 87 yards or whatever, and Kittle had three for 50 or whatever, but yeah, he's just more effective in a lot of other ways. Oh, yeah. Agreed completely. Yeah. it's That's going to be an interesting one. I think the final one is... Who fucks up? Not the time management, but who fucks up because the moment is too big? Do we think the 49ers are more susceptible to this, or do we think the Chiefs are more susceptible? Moment's too big. Business decisions are made, like Cam Newton fumble, mm -hmm. that kind of just ball control, special team blunders. 
Who do we think is more susceptible to a blunder of epic proportion? Um, uh, I'm going to go just pick a straight up player, and I don't I don't mean this like, you know, disrespect to the player, but Jimmy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was going the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I he's a good player, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's my concern, and this could be complete nonsense because I have nothing to back this up. Just an, <laughs> Me neither, just really. <laughs> just an instinct, but something that I, as a better, am concerned about on feel. Jimmy G comes from the Patriot system originally with Mr. Tom Brady can do no wrong. There have been, I think, unfairly a lot of comparisons, and the Boston media has really fed into this of, oh, we shouldn't have traded him. He could have been the next great thing, yada, yada, yada. And he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. I would have, I would want him on my team. Like, I would trade Jameis Winston in a heartbeat for Jimmy G, probably. But I do wonder if there is maybe a little bit of a, I've been here even though I haven't been here before. This moment isn't going to be too big. Kind of arrogance that isn't rightfully deserved. Where the Chiefs, I don't know. They just, like, Mahomes feels less suspect to that. For whatever reason. Yeah, to me, Mahomes is just big time. He's so confident and rightfully confident. I'm not too worried about Mahomes. I'm really not. I mean, if he starts getting a lot of pressure, which is very possible, yeah, maybe he'll rush a couple throws and maybe throw a pick or two that could be debilitating to them but there's just something about jimmy that just you know he's he's a good player but it's very rare that i'm like wow they won that game because jimmy g just took over what that doesn't happen often it happens all the time with mahomes it's like okay they won because mahomes is just just turned it on and it's just throwing the most ridiculous balls so I, i i just lean towards jimmy being the one that maybe could uh the moment could be a little too big yeah, and that's the thing. It's like we haven't because the, he hasn't needed to. So it's mm-hmm. it's sort of an unfair criticism in the way that like he hasn't had yeah. to do this. We don't have a ton to back off. But like there, this is his first playoffs where he's been the starting quarterback. Yeah. And in the last two games, he hasn't really had to do anything. Like you could have put Brian Hoyer in there and probably, probably gotten the yeah. same results. Like no offense to Brian Hoyer, but like I don't like he didn't he didn't do anything spectacular where you're like yeah he went out and won the game. They just beat people's brains in with the run game in insanely good defense. So I yeah. I have a concern as a better, which is unfortunate because I like jumped out very quickly, like, oh, the 49ers are there. I'm still waiting to make my official pick and bet yeah. my big money, but it is it concerns me as a better. Definitely. I agree one hundred percent. Um you wanna know an interesting Jimmy G prop bet that I saw? And man, I'm tempted, but I mean he just doesn't do it. His over/under on rush yards is three and a half. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that's just one. one little like four-yard game. Boom, done. I mean, he only has sixty-three rushing yards on the year, so I guess it adds up correctly. But I'm like three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> you could like stumble forward three and a half yards. Yeah, <laughs> like, just takes just takes one fourth and one QB sneak to get the ball three yards, maybe or like a yeah. broken scramble or whatever. Like it's, I, mean, I like that. I do too, but I'm just like, uh, but I'm also scared. I'm like, Vegas feels confident at three and a half. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, which is insane, which is a good, I guess a good transition. I'm going to be giving out more of my picks here uh, next episode, but because we're going to record one tomorrow night, but what, uh, what prop bets or bets have been catching your eye for this one? 
Um, I did a real stupid prop bet that um has nothing to do with the game, but I did wager on um there being over three and a half commercials featuring dogs. I'm I like that. <laughs> I mean, people love dogs. You're telling me I've seen four four commercials that feature a dog. I, I'm in. I, it'll definitely. I mean, you know, Budweiser will probably have a little dog trotting with the horses or something. That's one. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that There'll one. There'll probably be a car commercial where there's a dog involved because of the family aspect. There'll probably yeah. be a couple of those. Like exactly. I, I feel like that's just a, just an absolute steal of a of a prop bet. God, I, God bless the Super Bowl. The prop bet game is <laughs> one of the best. Like this is one of the best events. I'll bet oh, on yeah. the coin flip. I'm gonna bet on. Um, I'll probably look up the Jimmy. I'm definitely looking up the oh. Jimmy G three yards. Yeah. Um, I love the like. I love the live betting prop where it's like, will they punt on this one or not? Once you start to get a feel for the game, mm-hmm. but God bless them. I love this. this oh, sport. There's, some, <laughs> there's also, um, I've been hearing that for Demi Lovato, Demi Lovato, um, the star spangled banner, apparently historically she is most of the time, more often than not under two minutes than over two minutes. So I, I may wager on that one too. Ooh, I like that. You said she goes under it or under over? historically. She's she's she mostly goes under two minutes. She fucking rockets through it. <laughs> yeah. She, you know, okay, can't wait to she flies right through. Um, so yeah. I may wager on that. Um, I'm going to be just sitting there with a, with a stopwatch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm going to wager on that too. Yeah. You got like the halftime ones usually too. Like how long is each person going to go? Yeah. It's oh God. It's such a lovely game. Yeah. <laughs> it's an absolutely lovely day. Who I'm also I think I'm betting I think the who will score two more touchdowns that one pace just funny numbers I know uh, I've been looking at that and just <sighs> I want to bet a 49ers running back but the problem is is they go by so much by committee exactly. I am going Hardman I'll give one of my picks I'm going Hardman first touchdown for the uh, Chiefs okay. I think I think Hill and Kelsey are gonna get more attention and I think he's gonna he's gonna make a play here. Yeah, I, I I don't hate that. Um, and yeah, I agree. It is tempting to pick a Niners running back, but you just don't know who. Like, yeah, who's gonna I be mean, the hot hand? <laughs> exactly, it's tough. Um, one I saw was, I, I'm always such an over guy. I'm so dumb. But Chiefs total touchdowns at three and a half. Yeah, that was dumb. I yes. <laughs> I think that's an over. But but then you got to realize that's four touchdowns. That's 28 points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm. It's it's on my radar. I can't I can't decide, but I mean it's pl- it's showing up plus one ten. So I'm like, ooh, like, so yeah. I mean you got to love value there. Um, but those are, those are the props that I've been looking at so far. Yeah, I've I just enjoy it so much. Yeah, um, the first quarter over. That's a that's a beauty. Um, what was the other one I was looking at that was a good one? Oh, the first scoring method. I love that. Because um, it's one. yeah, because touchdowns minus one ninety. I sort of like a field goal there um, at plus one thirty five because I I do feel like we said it earlier. The Super Bowl is just one of those games where the offenses. I feel like they take a second to sit in, and I could yeah. much more realistically see a field goal there. I'll bet probably uh, tails because tails never fails in the coin flip, and that's just the degenerate life we live. Um, <laughs> I mean, each punter is over under is at three. I'm tempted to take the over on both, <laughs> but then I want to take the over on both. But then I want to say they're going to score four touchdowns. So I'm like just contradicting my own self with my wagers. I'm just I can't do it. 
Oh, God. God bless it. All right. <laughs> you had any other matchups in this game or, or ones you want to throw out there? Uh, nothing really. I will say, like, a week ago, um, I may still wager on it again, but I did take the Chiefs minus one and a half. Um, it was just kind of my, my quick, you know, gut, my gut pick. Um, but that that's what I have so far, but I may I may throw more money on it. We'll see. I did the same. I When the line got released, I saw – 49ers were money line even, and I immediately yeah. put me down. And I was like, "Fuck, I did not mean to do this." I honestly don't know. Um, do you want to make a pick at this point as to? Um, <laughs> I'm leaning towards leaning? Chiefs. Leaning on right. Chiefs. That's fair. I want the Chiefs to win more. Me I too. Just don't know if I want to bet them yet. Definitely I do want, want the Andy. Chiefs to win more. Yeah. Yeah, I want Andy to have it. Um, and yeah, I just goddamn, I just want, I want Andy to have it. I like Andy Reid. I think he's a he insanely good coach who for the stupid reasons that we've determined as sports fans and analysts, whatever you have to win a super bowl to be considered in the pantheon of greats. It's dumb. It is dumb. Like you're telling me he wins one more game, the super bowl. And now all of a sudden he's in the pantheon of greats. The man has been one of the most consistent. We talked about it last week. One of the most consistent coaches out there. The product he's put out is phenomenal. I want him to win. Yeah. I'd love to see Andy win. Um, And you know, Kyle will have more opportunities and, I've always been a little bitter towards Kyle. It's really not his fault, but the DC media loves to fall in love with the fact that, oh, Redskins let Kyle Shanahan go away. I'm like, okay, well, so did the Browns and the Falcons after the Redskins. I mean, like, <laughs> it was three teams ago. Like, get out of here. Like, who cares? How bad do you think the Falcons are kicking themselves that they stuck with Dan Quinn and didn't fire him to keep Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> yeah, especially with, like, that offense. Yeah, that was a, that was a big boo-boo. Yeah, big time mistake, which is hard. It's hard to fire the head coach when you just went to the Super Bowl, but it was like yeah. there's a very apparent reason why this is happening, and this has gone disastrously bad. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Any other things you want to touch on here? Um, no, nothing really. I did see that Bill O'Brien was hired as officially <laughs> hired as GM. I cannot believe that. Like two weeks ago, we're talking about how this guy's got to go. He's got to go. But we did mention there's no one to fire him. So, I mean, uh, how does he get fired? I don't know. <laughs> the owner just has to fire GM slash coach? I, I, I can't believe it. If I was a Houston Texan fan, I would be beside myself. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, being a head coach is already busy enough. I mean, Bill Belichick, they like to say he's a GM, but technically he really isn't. I mean, I know he has a massive influence, but what has Bill O'Brien done to deserve that role? I, I, I'm blown away. I... I had forgotten about that. There's been a lot of new. At some point, we're just going to run a, a segment called Nate Forgot, and it'll be like a week later, all the shit I forgot to bring up on this show. Because um, we really just wing it. I really should start to game plan this better. Um, I had forgotten that that had happened. And my initial reaction was, was literally the conversation we had like last week or two weeks ago, or whatever it was. Like, I'm sorry, Texans fans. I feel bad for you because I don't know who how you fire him, but like, You've hit your ceiling. Like there oh, yeah. is no, there's oh, no going yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting over the hump. You're, you're, you're. No. I mean, but you got over the hump, and there's nothing left. I mean, that, yeah. yeah. This the, is it, your greener pasture right here. <laughs> Winning the wild card game on a Saturday afternoon every year, <laughs> and then bombing out the next week. Yeah, this it, it will get no better. Nope, none. And that was the other thing. I was like, because I was trying to think. Like, I'm always a big proponent of like there are very few coaches who can do head coach and OC responsibilities yeah. Yeah. you see that trend all the time and you see it fail disastrously like it did in cleveland and you that is the more common effect 
and rarely do you see it work like where you're seeing it with the 49ers, for example. Yeah. And it's working. Rarely works. In no circumstance outside of the Patriots has do I think it's worked except for when it, like they were smoking stogies and eating hot dogs at halftime and the water boy was your star running back has a coach GM relationship one in the same entanglement worked in the NFL like that does not work the Bengals tried it it worked not they didn't give him the official title but they didn't really have a GM and it was a weird kind of mishmash of family Marvin Lewis and it worked in the fact that they got a lot of they did draft really well and let it all go but they didn't get over the hump. Like, they never got over the hump. They didn't win a playoff game. The only time it's worked is in New England. And as you said, he's not the official GM. Does he have a heavy hand in player assessment and evaluation? Fuck yeah, he does. <laughs> but he's not the G- he's not the official GM. And there's people that... He's also like, the greatest coach ever. <laughs> yeah, and he's the greatest coach ever. Bill O'Brien is not even close. He doesn't even breathe the same air. <laughs> no. No. Not even close at all. I, yeah, I don't understand. I, I feel bad for Texan fans. I know they have a better team than I do, but I mean, at least I have a, I have a little more hope. I feel like. Yeah. Also, I don't, if I'm Bill O'Brien, I don't know why the outside of the fact that like the owner's the only guy that can fire you. I don't know why you'd want that responsibility. That seems like way too much. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, I'd be already stressed enough being a head coach. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Terrible. But, um, it's <laughs> a good point. I kind of God, I forgot about that. Um, I had one thing. To sort of circle back to the Kobe thing, yeah, Kobe events. Then I saw there's all these suggestions on like how to to uh, kind of show respect in the yeah. league. They're talking about changing the Jerry West logo, which I'm not terribly opposed to, but I saw a really cool idea that I thought I would share. Um, it was tweeted out by Chris Maxson. He had the idea that during the All Star game, Team LeBron should wear number eight, Team Giannis should wear number 24, and oh, yeah. the captain should wear the number two to honor Gigi. I thought that was a pretty cool idea. So just throwing that in the world. Um, and then I also don't hate changing the logo. Uh, yeah. But it's it's been sad. But I thought that was a pretty pretty unique way to, to honor him and I think would be a, a very nice moment in the sport if the yeah. NBA decided to want to do that. I agree. I'd have no problem with them changing the logo. And I agree that the, the All-Star game, because, I mean, let's face it, the All-Star game is in about two and a half weeks. It's going to be all about Kobe. This is not going away. Um, and it shouldn't go away because, you know, we're talking about just – someone who is much more than a basketball player. Like we say, he, the guy was a global icon. Um, so yeah, I think that would be a great way to honor him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things we could do. I mean, shit, August 24th, that should be like Kobe Bryant day, 824. I mean, yeah, we should just honor the guy for as, for as long as we can. All you 24 year olds, you better, you better live it up. Cause your Kobe yeah. year needs to be, be paid in tribute. Absolutely. That's the other thing. I mean, the guy, when you turn 24, you refer to it as uh, the guy was just, he was bigger than life, essentially. And that's why it is so tough. But there are, there are a lot of good ways out there. You know, one person, I forget who it was, who said it like way back when it's a famous quote that you die twice, once when you actually die and once in the last time you were talked about. Kobe built himself a hell of a legacy. We're going to be talking about him for a while. And hopefully his family takes a little solace in the fact that his name carries weight in a way that positively impacted the world for a lot of people. Um, So with that, we'll end the show. As always, peace.